0: what is going on cover seven family welcome back to another episode here on the cover seven with mason pierce podcast and guys in today's episode we are going to be recapping and giving some takeaways from week five of the 2022 college football season and guys what a week it absolutely was and you know before we do start talking about all the action from week five i do want to ask y'all to please make sure to check out anchor.fm's monthly supporter program it's $4.99 a month it's like a subscription to pretty much your favorite twitch streamer youtuber whatever you might have it it allows me to be able to better the quality of the podcast podcast be be able to eventually make some of y'all some exclusive members and even certain episodes and just overall it will eventually start to benefit y'all but you know once again it's not required i'm not telling y'all y'all have to do it or anything like that it just simply would be able to help me out a little bit you know continue to push all these episodes out for all you beautiful people but anyway guys like we always say here on the cover seven with mason pierce podcast I do not want to waste y'all's time, so let's get right into today's action, and guys, what a week it was, but first, we have to start about when it, or we have to first start where it all started, and this was on Thursday night, as we had the Utah State Aggies traveling to Provo, Utah, to take on these 19th ranked BYU Cougars. Now, in this game, it was supposed to be a blowout from the start. BYU should have absolutely manhandled a pretty weak Utah State team that was sitting at 1-3 and three on the season. And honestly, Utah State definitely gave BYU their money in the first half as at the first half it was tied all 17-17 and it was kind of shocking thinking that BYU who had upset Baylor, you know, not even a few weeks ago, you know, they kind of had fallen from pretty much being, you know, one of the top teams in the nation, you know what I'm saying? Like once they beat Baylor, it kind of seemed like okay, BYU had all the momentum in the world. Then the following week they they get absolutely blew out. At Oregon, and then the following week, you know, they played a pretty weak Wyoming team, but besides that, you know, just BYU never could kind of seem to get a rhythm in this game until at the very end as Jaron Hall, their starting quarterback, he would go 17 for 27, 273 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions on the day, and one of their main offensive weapons in this game is Definitely and I mean it definitely had to be their starting running back Christopher Brooks as in this game He had 11 rushes for 90 yards rushing with one touchdown on the day And you know, despite Utah State giving uh, BYU a lot of fits early in the first half, BYU would ultimately pull away from Utah State as they would go on to beat the Aggies 38 to 26. Now BYU they improved four and one on the year. Utah State uh, falls to one and four. What's been a pretty disappointing season for Utah State team or Utah State yeah Utah State team that was kind of expected to have you know. Obviously, no undefeated season, but definitely be sitting at 500 or a little bit above. So, definitely another start that they wanted. And honestly, for BYU, don't let the record fool you. They definitely are going to be a team that I feel a lot of people are going to definitely give them fits because if a Utah State team that had no, and I mean, no purpose in being able to compete in this game, and they absolutely almost upset BYU, I mean, I just don't see it getting any better. And the fact that BYU will also be taking on Notre Dame next week. It's gonna be very interesting, so definitely check into that game next week when we talk about our preview for Week Six. But anyway, guys, the next game that I'm gonna to want to talk about, and this, and now we're gonna, you know, I just, that was really the only game on Thursday. We had South Carolina and South Carolina State, but that was mostly due to uh, Hurricane um, Ian, and they moved that to Thursday, as you can all figure. South Carolina blew out SC or SC State, so let's let's move over to Fridays. We had a pretty big Pac-12 matchup, as we had. 15th ranked washington huskies traveling over to pasadena california in the rose bowl to take on the 4-0 ucla bruins now this game was going to be definitely a huge test for uh the uh, washington starting quarterback michael Penix jr as he's been having a fantastic season ever since he transferred from indiana over up to UW. so You know, he had a lot to prove in this game as they are finally going to be playing a pretty decent opponent in UCLA. And I know UCLA, they struggled against South Alabama, but overall, they're not a bad team by any means. They're starting running back Zach Charbonnet, one one of the better running backs in all of college football. But anyway, let's start to talk a little bit about how this game actually went. And to be completely honest in this game, UCLA was in control pretty much throughout the whole thing. As Dorian Thompson Robinson, their starting quarterback, who feels like he's been with them for the past like 17 years he had himself finally his breakout game for this season as he as he went twenty four for thirty three three hundred and fifteen yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. He also had this huge hurdle which was just absolutely amazing and he also did get it you know he also did get it done on the ground as well as he had 10 carries for 53 yards rushing and one touchdown. And like we talked about a little bit earlier Uh, UCLA's starting running back Zach Charbonnet, he had himself a day as well as he had 22 carries for 124 yards rushing with one touchdown. And man, did UCLA finally get a groove onto things as they just pretty much rolled over Washington in this game. Uh, Michael Penix Jr., he didn't look too solid today. He he had a lot of costly mistakes. Overall, not a horrifyingly bad game because, you know, shockingly enough, He's had a pretty solid year so far with the Huskies, but definitely this was one of his down games and probably his worst of the season so far as he would go 33 for 48, 345 yards passing with four touchdowns and two interceptions. And just honestly, UCLA, you know, despite a late comeback attempt by the Huskies in which they put up 16 points in the fourth quarter, UCLA would hold off the 15th-ranked Washington Huskies and would beat them by a score of 40-32. to Washington would get their first L of the season as they now drop to 4 and 1 and UCLA now improves and is remains one of the more it remains one of one of the only left unbeaten teams as now they improve to 5 and 0 on the season and 2 and 0 in conference so huge win for UCLA. And before we do start talking about Saturday, I do want to talk a little bit about the Tulane and Houston game as well because man, what a drop from grace so to speak has uh Houston had because you know being being a preseason top 25 team having all these huge expectations, their offense with a lot of veterans, most notably one of their star wide receivers, Tank Dell. You know, they were they were honestly primed for a huge breakout season and just things have not gone their way as they would actually end up losing to Tulane in overtime. And they now drop to two and two on the season with losses to Kansas and Tulane. So overall, just not a great season for the Cougars so far. And definitely Dana Holgerson's probably wondering, you know, where did he go wrong when it came. Because, I mean, it's pretty much the same team as last year when they competed against Cincinnati in the AAC Championship. So just a lot of question marks going on right now for the Houston Cougars. But anyway, let's move over to Saturday and all of its action that we were given. And, man, did it not disappoint the early slate. It did not as we had two huge upsets to start off the weekend. And the first game I want to talk about is going to be the seventh-ranked Kentucky Wildcats traveling t- to uh, Oxford, Mississippi. Excuse me, guys, to take on the 14th-ranked Ole Miss Rebels. Now, both teams are undefeated going into this game. Uh, Kentucky, you know, they had a lot to. They had a they had a lot more to be able just to prove necessarily. Like, I don't I don't know if I, I don't know really if the right word is prove, but they had a lot that they wanted to be able to prove to the nation that they are still worthy of being a top 10 team. And then on the flip side for Ole Miss. They wanted to be able to prove to the whole nation that they deserve to be a top-10 team. You know what I mean? Because they've, they've had a pretty weak schedule so far. They haven't really played anybody that has challenged them. Whether You know, they have played Power 5 opponent in Georgia Tech, but we all know how Georgia Tech's been. So anyway, in this game, um, you know, honestly, quarterback play was not even horrifically bad. Will Levis, the starting quarterback for Kentucky, he had himself a pretty solid day. As he would go 18 for 24, 220 yards uh, passing with two touchdowns and no interceptions. So good day for him. But the main story in this game is going to be Ole Miss and their running back room. Because, man, did they definitely carry the load of the offense for the Ole Miss Rebels as their leading rusher in this game. And you probably thought it would have been Zach Evans, but it actually wasn't. It was uh, Quinshawn uh, Judkins, a freshman out of Alabama. He had himself his best career game so far as he had 15 attempts, or he had 15 rushes for 106 yards rushing and one touchdown. And, I mean, it just over, I mean, that rushing game of Ole Miss is so fun to watch, especially if you're a fan of just hard-nosed football. And, I mean, they pretty much led Ole Miss in this game and led them ultimately to end up upsetting the 7th-ranked Kentucky Wildcats 22-19. to as Kentucky also gets handed their first loss of the season and now will fall to 4-1. and And then Ole Miss on the flip side, they improved to 5-0 and and they finally get that statement win that I know a lot of Ole Miss fans and a lot of SEC fans have been wanting for them to be able to get. So, huge win for the Rebels over the Kentucky Wildcats. Now, the next game I want to talk about, and my personal favorite game that we're going to talk about, is going to be the 18th ranked Oklahoma Sooners traveling to Fort Worth, A.K.A. Funky Town, Texas, to take on my TCU Horn Frogs. Now, the biggest knock on TCU was the fact that their schedule was just not that strong. Week one, they played up in Boulder, Colorado. You know, they they took pretty much care of a Colorado team that honestly is a top ten, or is a bottom ten team in uh, you know a, a Division one football as a whole, whether it is FCS or FBS. They're just that bad. You know, then they went play Charleston State, and then they went and played SMU uh, two weeks ago. You know, they just had—they really hadn't proved much, I guess you could say, to a lot of the other fans in the nation. But definitely, this was their few, first real game of the season as Oklahoma, who, despite coming off a loss to Kansas State, still had an amazing offense with the likes of Marvin Mims and their starting quarterback Dylan Gabriel. And when I tell y'all, and being at the game up close and personal, I was shocked how it started because. Man, did this TCU offense just get on a roll. Max Duggan, the starting quarterback for TCU, he had himself another just great day as he would go 23 for 33, 302 yards passing with three touchdowns and then zero interceptions. Dylan Gabriel, he did not he didn't he didn't, he wasn't able to have a full game slate. Unfortunately, he would leave the game with a concussion, but on the day, he would go 7-for-16 for for 126 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. And not to mention, in this game, there was just a lot of bad drops and a lot of bad, you know, just throws. Overall, it was just a really rough game for Oklahoma and their offense. And when you see that 24, you're like, okay, well, they did something. That last touchdown came in garbage time, so it really was nothing like impressive, impressive. But in the first half alone, the TCU Hornfrogs Frogs put up 42 points on the Oklahoma Sooners, who went out and got one of the best former defensive coordinators in the country from Clemson, Brent Venables, to be their next head coach. And I mean, honestly, it was just a really, really tough day if you're an Oklahoma Sooners fan because they just, whether it was defense, and I mean, defense was horrifically bad in this game. They just could not. And, I mean, they could not stop TCU's run game or pass game to save their life. So, Oklahoma, this is definitely going to be a rebuilding year because, man, y'all haven't even played some of the better teams in the Big 12. And, honestly, you know, I want to make sure I credit my TCU boys because they balled out in this game. Kendra Miller, who I'm going to continue to say is one of the top running backs in all of the nation, he had 13 carries for 136 yards rushing with two touchdowns. And then Max Duggan, the quarterback, one of the toughest guys in the country. He also had a great day rushing as he had five carries for 116 yards rushing with two touchdowns and a long of 67 as Max Duggan and the TCU Horned Frogs would ultimately upset the 18th-ranked Oklahoma Sooners, 55-24 to down in Fort Worth. And I'm telling you, TCU deserves to be ranked, and what's even better is next week TCU is going to be playing Kansas up in Lawrence, which nobody thought it would be a meaningful game, but after all the things that have transpired... Oh my goodness, is that going to be one heck of a matchup? So hopefully we might see college game day up in Lawrence. I mean, who knows? That would be really cool if we were able to see, you know, just the atmosphere for that game because that's definitely going to be a huge game between two, both of those teams. But anyway, guys, we still got a lot more games to talk about. So the next one I want to talk to you all about in the early slate of games on Saturday is the Purdue Boilermakers traveling up to Minneapolis to take on the 21st-ranked Minnesota Golden Gophers who coming off a huge win against Michigan State last week Probably thought this game was just going to be easy blow-by. Like, there was going to be no absolute challenge in this game. And, uh, well, you see, the issue was uh, the quarterbacks in this game just could not play at all, even for Purdue and Minnesota. As Minnesota's starting quarterback, Tanner Morgan, had a horrifically bad day as he went 18 for 33, 257 yards passing with zero touchdowns and three interceptions on the day, which those three would end up being very costly at the end. And, you know, just, I mean, this was a game that I won't lie, I didn't really watch too much of, but when you just look at just plain statistics, offense was definitely not a factor, and the whole Big Ten stereotype definitely came into effect in this game as Purdue would actually upset the 21st Minnesota-ranked Golden Gophers 20 to 10 as minnesota gets handed their first loss of the season and purdue uh and purdue improves to three and two on the year as minnesota falls to four and one so overall just a very rough game for minnesota as this was a game that they easily should have won i think most people would have probably told you that minnesota should have blew the doors off of uh, purdue but regardless Uh, Purdue ends up upsetting the Golden Gophers so anyway, let's go travel over to Manhattan, Kansas as we have the Texas Tech Red Raiders coming off an upset win against the 22nd ranked Texas Longhorns last week. They're traveling to Manhattan to take on the 25th ranked Kansas State Wildcats who are coming off an upset win of their own against Oklahoma, which now when you look at it, it's kind of like, okay, I guess they really were just the first team to expose Oklahoma for not being the OU of normal, but Anyway, in this game, um, Adrian Martinez did not necessarily have the career day that he did have last week. I mean, he still had a very solid day overall. Most most of his yards did come in the run game, as he would have 12 carries for 171 yards rushing and three touchdowns on the day. And for a quarterback, I would say that's pretty solid, but passing-wise... He would go 12 for 19, 116 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. So overall, pretty solid day for Adrian Martinez. I know a lot of y'all are wondering, you know, how did Deuce Vaughn do, the star running back for the Kansas State Wildcats? Well, Deuce Vaughn also had himself a pretty solid day as he had 23 carries for 170 yards rushing. Didn't get a touchdown, but definitely had a lot of yardage and ultimately was a huge weapon for Kansas State in this game. And then on the flip side for Kansas State, uh, Their starting quarterback, Donovan Smith, who actually had a very solid game last week against Texas, didn't have any turnover issues or anything like that. Well, turnover issues started to come back to him in this game as he would go 34 for 48, 359 yards passing with two touchdowns and two interceptions. So definitely something costly that you're not going to want to play, or definitely something costly that you're not going to want against this very stout Kansas State team, but Overall, it was actually a pretty exciting game. It did come down to the last second as Kansas State kind of rallied in the uh, fourth quarter to be able to overcome the Texas Tech Red Raiders as uh, Kansas State would go on to beat Texas Tech 37-28 to as Kansas State now improves to 4-1 and on the year and Tech falls to 3-2 and despite the upset win last week against Texas. So, I mean, in my opinion, I think Texas Tech is still a very solid team despite this loss. I mean, I just think Kansas State overall is just a very solid team. But anyway, guys, the next game I want to talk about, we're going to travel over to Iowa City, Iowa, as we have the fourth-ranked Michigan Wolverines taking on the unranked Iowa Hawkeyes. And, man, if you love naps, you definitely watch this game because offense was just non-existent for the most part. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, this now starting quarterback for the Michigan Wolverines, he had a pretty solid day. As you go 18 for 24, 155 yards passing, and with one touchdown, uh Spencer Petrus, who's been known for just not knowing how to throw a football, he actually did throw a touchdown. He actually did throw a touchdown in this game as he would go 21 for 31, 246 yards passing with one touchdown and then zero interceptions. So not a horrible game for him considering how rough the start of the season has been for him so far, but the big player in this game that I think definitely deserves a lot more national recognition. The running back for Michigan, Blake Corm, as he has yet another 100-plus yard game as he had 29 carries for 133 yards rushing and one touchdown. Another huge day for him. And honestly, I know y'all might not believe me, but he definitely deserves to be kind of a dark horse candidate for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, he's just been very solid so far this year. But despite Iowa getting a very strong fourth quarter, they would put up their only points of the game, you know, 14 points in the fourth quarter. Michigan would hold off the Hawkeyes 27-14 to 14 to beat the Hawkeyes in Iowa City. So, I'm not going to say it's their first real test because I'd be lying because, no offense, Iowa just does not have an offense. So, you can't really judge it off this game, but it'll be interesting to see later in the season how Michigan does against some, you know, better competition at least. So, anyway guys the next game that i'm going to want to talk about and this game i just is so sad to see how bad this team has gone and this is the illinois fighting illini traveling to madison wisconsin to take on the wisconsin badgers and man Wisconsin, and also kind of similar to a couple other teams, have just fallen from grace, most notably Houston. You know, going into the season, they had a lot of expectations. I mean, a lot. You know, they're supposed to be some amazing team. You know, they had Graham Merch as a starting quarterback, Braylon Allen, who, in my opinion, is still one of the top running backs in the nation. But, you know, there's all these unrealistic expectations. And, man, did this did they just get exposed by a okay Illinois team. As Illinois would put up 34 points on Wisconsin, and Wisconsin would be held only 10 points on the day, Graham Mertz would go 17 for 32, 206 yards passing with one touchdown and two interceptions. Not a great day at all. And then like I talked about a little bit earlier, Wisconsin star running back Braylon Allen, he only had two yards on the day. Two it, just was, it was just rough. There were so many mistakes, whether it was on special teams or just offense, defense, whatever you might have it. Wisconsin just looked super rough. And, I mean, they just. this has been a very bad season. And I know a lot of Wisconsin fans could agree with me on this. I think, honestly, it's time to move on from Paul Chris. Nothing against them, but I just think they need a definitely type of new energy in the locker room. But I also want to make sure Illinois gets, you know, gets some praise as well because they did play a hell of a game as their starting quarterback, Tommy DeVito. The uh, the um, Syracuse transfer, he actually had a very solid day as he would go 18 for 24, 167 yards passing, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, but biggest thing is he did not make any mistakes. And then for rushing, that was really where a lot of Illinois' uh, uh, offense actually came, and this came in the form of running back Chase Brown as he had a very solid day as he had 25 rushes for 129 He had 25 rushes for 129-yard rushing yards, and then had a touchdown as well as Illinois would go on to beat the Wisconsin Badgers 34-10 as Wisconsin now falls onto the season 2-3 and 0-2 in the Big Ten, and Illinois actually improves to 4-1 and now 1-1 in conference play, so Illinois is actually not having that bad of a year, so definitely kind of keep your eye on the fighting Illini of Illinois, but... But anyway, guys, the next game that I'm going to want to talk about as we transition over into the late afternoon, early evening side of games. And that game is going to be the Oregon State Beavers, who are coming off a week last week where they almost upset a top 10 USC team as they traveled to uh, Salt Lake City to take on the 12th ranked Utah Utes. Now, this game... Which was just never close. Utah, you know, I'm telling you, they are one of the most dangerous teams right now in all of college football due to the fact that they're probably still upset about losing week one to a pretty poor Florida team. And, I mean, Cameron Rising for Utah, he had himself a very great day as he went 19 for 25, 199 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. And um, Cameron Rising was also the leading rusher for Utah as he had seven carries for 73 yards rushing and one touchdown on the day. And there's not too much to cover. Utah's defense was very solid in this game against uh, Oregon State. Oregon State threw a total of four picks over four quarterbacks. So, yeah, not the greatest game for Oregon State by any means. But besides the point, Utah would end up getting the win over the Oregon State Beavers 42-16 to as now Utah improves to 4-1 and on this season and Oregon State falls to 3-2. and Despite being, in my opinion, they're still a pretty solid team. They're better than a lot of other teams, but... Utah is definitely a team that definitely should be talking about a lot about when it comes to playoff contention. But, but anyway, guys, the next game that we're going to be talking about, and this is just one of the best storylines of the whole weekend, and this was the Iowa State Cyclones traveling to Lawrence, Kansas, to take on the should-be-ranked Kansas Jayhawks. Now, early on in this game, most most specifically the first quarter, there was not really a lot of scoring. Defenses were just completely holding offenses to practically nothing. But in the second quarter, a lot of scoring would start to happen as Iowa State would put up 8, and then Kansas would put up 14. So going into the half, Kansas was beating Iowa State 14-8. to But Jalen Daniels in this game, he wasn't statistically as great as Kansas probably wanted him to, as he only would go 7-14 for 14 and 93 yards passing. Uh, rushing yards really didn't do much. Only had nine rushing yards on the day. But he did have a touchdown, so there is that. But the main story in this game has got to be Kansas's defense because, man, did they pick up the slack for a lot of this Kansas offense because despite Kansas not scoring a single point in the second half, that defense shut down Iowa State's offense and only allowed a field goal in the third quarter, and that was it for the rest of the game. Now, Iowa State's kicker was definitely – He's definitely not one of the best kickers in all of college football as he would actually end up missing what would be the game-tying field goal pretty much right at the end of regulation. And Kansas would go on to beat Iowa State 14-11 as they now improve to 5-0 on this season, which is the first time they've reached 5-0 and since I think back in 2007 during their really historic season. So congratulations to all the Jayhawk fans out there on the huge win. I mean, this Iowa State team is not bad by any means. I mean, Xavier... Xavier Hutchinson a star wide receiver on Iowa State. He had a pretty solid day despite kind of play calling being a little bit iffy as he had 13 receptions for 101 yards receiving so great job by Kansas's defense to hold Iowa State to only 11 points on the day as they upset the Cyclones who almost beat Baylor last week 14 to 11 as the Kansas Jayhawks now improved to 5-0 and for the first time since 2007 so huge win for the Jayhawks, but anyway guys, the next game that we are going to be talking about, I want to talk a little bit, not going to talk a lot about it, but I want to talk about Michigan State traveling to Maryland to take on the Maryland Terrapins. Now, for uh, Talia Tagovailoa, he had an amazing game. Uh, 32 for 41, 314 yards uh, passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions, so you know, really didn't, you know, no mistakes, which is kind of always seemed to be the thing with Talia is that he, he throws a lot of interceptions. He'll throw a lot of yardage, but Always has a lot, and I mean a lot of interceptions. Uh, Peyton Thorne on the opposite side for Michigan State didn't have the greatest day. He went 27 for 44, 221 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. Now definitely the story of the game for Maryland's offense and the kind of their offensive production had to come in the form of freshman running back Antoine Littleton. As in this game against a, well, supposed to be pretty stout Michigan State defense. He had 19, uh, 19 rushing attempts for 120 yards rushing and one TD on the day. So, a huge game for the freshman for Maryland. And other than that, I mean, Michigan State just once again was not able to get anything going. The rushing game was non existent. Uh, Jalen brazard or Jarek Brizard, I'm sorry, guys, I don't mean to mispronounce his name. You know, he struggled, he left the game with an injury. Um, Just overall very just rough game for Michigan State as Maryland would go on to beat the Spartans 27 to 13 as Maryland improves to 4 and 1 on the year So the Terrapins they're having a pretty solid season so far and then Michigan State who was a preseason top 25 team They now fall to 2 and 3 on this season But anyway guys, let's get back into the big 12 as we travel to Waco, Texas As we have the ninth ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys taking on the 16th ranked Baylor Bears now The biggest thing in this game was how would Spencer Sanders do against uh, a Baylor defense, which he has historically had a ton of turnovers against. He's always struggled against. And man, did Spencer Sanders completely change that narrative in this game as he would go 20 for 29, 181 yards uh, passing with one touchdown and only one interception. He also would be the leading rusher for Oklahoma State. And it kind of seems to be a trend in week five that a lot of quarterbacks would be the leading rushers for their team. But Spencer Sanders had a great day on the ground as well, as he had 14 carries for 75 yards rushing and one touchdown. And on the flip side for Baylor, uh, Blake Shapen, the young quarterback that took over Gary, Bo- or, yeah, Gary Bohannon's job, you know, he didn't have the greatest day by any means, but he definitely started to just slowly improve throughout the game as he would go 28 for 40, 345 yards passing with two touchdowns and two interceptions, which would end up being obviously when you look at the score, pretty costly. For Baylor, but besides that, a huge day. I mean, I mean, a huge day for Baylor wide receiver Moneri Baldwin, as I mean, he went off against the OSU secondary as he had seven receptions for 174 yards receiving and two touchdowns on the day. So, pretty solid game for him. But despite that, Oklahoma State's defense was able to hold Baylor pretty much to almost zero points going into the third quarter, where they would unfortunately allow 22 points. To, and they would allow Baylor to score 22 points in the third quarter. But after that, Oklahoma State shut them down as they would go on to beat the Baylor Bears in Waco, 36 to 25. So huge win for OSU as this would be their first game in Big 12 play and obviously a huge statement win against a top 25 ranked Baylor Bears team. And for Baylor, nothing to hold your head down. I mean, there's a lot of there's a, there was a lot of mistakes that they had in this game, a ton. Whether it was special teams letting off that 98 yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Or just simply, you know, offense not being able to get things clicking, whether it was in the run game or anything like that. You know, there's a lot of things that they do need to fix, but overall, Baylor is still a very solid team. But I think also it also does give kind of, it also kind of pushes the narrative, too, that Oklahoma State might just be a very solid team. You know, Spencer Sanders looks a lot more mature. He looks a lot better in the pocket. It definitely is making a lot better um, decision making than he was a few years ago and even last year. So definitely Oklahoma State is going to absolutely be a pretty concerning team at least me for a tcu fan definitely gonna be concerning when we do play them here in about two weeks but anyway guys let's continue to talk about all the action that we had in the uh late afternoon slash early evening slate of games and the next game that i'm going to want to talk about is going to be the 17th ranked texas a&m aggies traveling to starkville mississippi to take on the mississippi state bulldogs and if any of y'all remember listening to the week excuse me guys if any of y'all remember listening to the Week Five preview and how I talked about, you know, this is going to be a trap game for A&M because they they struggled against Mississippi State last year. They lost to Mississippi State last year at home in Kyle Field, and being in that environment in Starkville with all the cowbells and everything like that, it's going to absolutely phase them. Well, that's it. that's pretty much exactly what happened in this game because man, did the offense just look absolutely horrendous for A&M. Max Johnson, you know, he would later eventually come out of the game with an injury. But Max Johnson on the day for AM, he would go 19 for 26, 203 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. And I personally feel for the kid because a main reason why he also left LSU despite the whole quarterback controversy and, you know, Coach O and all that leaving was the fact that O-line play, he was constantly on his back after every single play, getting sacked, just straight up quarterback pressured, whatever you might have it. And he's gotten the complete same thing now that he's with AM. And man, you could tell they just started to slowly deteriorate him after every single play. Now, Devin to chain for AM, he was the one bright spot that they had on offense. Now, you could also say that AM's wide receiver, um, Moose Muhammad, he had a pretty solid day as well. But the main, you know, obviously the main focal point for Jimbo Fisher's offense with the Aggies, at least this season, is getting Devin to chain the ball as he had 16 carries for 111 yards rushing. He didn't have any touchdowns, but did have a very solid day on the ground, and I still think he's going to be definitely a top draft pick come next year just due to the fact that he is so elusive and the speed is ridiculous. And then like I talked about with Moose Muhammad, he led the AM and m Aggies within receiving as he had six receptions for 119 yards receiving and one touchdown on the day. Um, Evan Stewart the former five-star wide receiver in the 2022 class he had a very rough day as he had a few uh, drop balls you know some some you know you couldn't really help it just due to ball placement others he should have absolutely had but very rough day for the young five-star but um you know a lot of credit needs to definitely be deserved in Mississippi State because they absolutely controlled this whole game Will Rogers who I've Honestly, I'm very high on. I think he's one of the more underrated quarterbacks in all of college football. He went 31 for 45, 329 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero picks on the day. And also, I got to give a shout out to Mississippi State wide receiver Ra Ra Thomas, as he had himself a career day as well, as he had five receptions for 134 yards receiving and one touchdown. And also, the funniest thing in this game, Mississippi State's defense is really what deserves the credit for being allowing them to be able to win this game because special teams they had a blocked field goal that ended up being returned for a touchdown. Defense just shut down Devin Achane, shut down Max Johnson. I mean, it just absolutely crumbled this A&M offense and also you know I want to talk a little bit about Haynes King as well who was supposed to be the next Johnny Manziel as quarterback for A&M well when he came in for Max Johnson in the second half after Max would leave with an injury he struggled immensely as he would throw two interceptions in a quarter span so and one of those actually would be returned for a touchdown so just a very rough time and honestly I think Haynes King I think the hype needs to chill out with Haynes King and just A&M in general I think definitely they were a little bit too overhyped. They're still very young. I think over time, once they continue to get more and more and more and more recruits in, they start to develop recruits the right way and everything, they'll be obviously a top 25 team. But at least this season, can we please just get AM out of the top 25? Just for the love of everything, I'm tired of seeing a and being treated like there's some excellent – I mean some threat in the SEC because they won't. Because next week when they go to Tuscaloosa and they play Alabama – you're gonna really see just how big of a difference it is and you know just because you have the five stars doesn't mean you're a better team because you know as we, like we all know and I've now I've said it mo- numerous times A&M had the number one recruiting class last year and the number one recruiting class in history so I mean it's just honestly it's very disappointing to see am who should easily be doing better than this easily their two losses have come against unranked opponents now Mississippi State by no means will probably they'll probably end up being ranked after this game but also with Appalachian State, who struggled immensely against other group of five schools. I mean, you've just got to be kidding me. I mean, it's just ridiculous the fact that AM is. I, I. I mean, there might be a little bit of bias coming out of me, but I just, I'm just, I'm just glad that we can finally quit overhyping this team and truly face the fact of what they actually are. And that's just an unranked team this season. I don't think you know they honestly will probably have another eight and four year. I know it's become, I know it's become kind of a joke, but. I mean I just don't see them being able to compete for an SEC championship because if you can't go into Starkville and beat Mississippi State, you don't deserve to go into Tuscaloosa or go into an SEC championship game and honestly have a actual chance. So but anyway, enough rambling about that. The final score with this for the final score for this game would be 42-17 as Mississippi State would beat the 17th ranked Texas AM Aggies. Mississippi State would improve to 4-1 and on the year, and Texas A&M would fall to 3-2 and on the season and 1-1 and in SEC play. So, huge, and I mean huge and disappointing loss for the Aggies of A&M. And they're going to have to find some way to bounce back next week against a very tough Alabama team. And, you know, since we're talking about Alabama right now, we'll actually talk about the second-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide traveling to Fayetteville, Arkansas. To take on the 20th ranked Arkansas Razorbacks, and this game was honestly very interesting. And you know, it, the big and the big headline that you'll see from a lot of media outlets is the fact that Heisman winning uh, Heisman winning quarterback for Alabama, Bryce Young, he would leave the game in the second quarter with a shoulder injury and would not return at any point. And when Bryce Young did leave the game, his final stats on the game were seven of thirteen, 173 yards passing, with one touchdown and one interception. Uh, if you really, I mean, I, I wasn't really able to watch a lot of the game because I was coming home from the uh, OUTCU game. But Alabama was absolutely just destroying that Arkansas defense. As I think at the point when he left, it was either, I think it was 21-7 to or it was it was something around that score. And they were just absolutely dominating. But once he went down, just all the momentum changed in this game. All the momentum changed in this game. And, you know, Jalen Milrow would come in. He had a pretty solid, you know, first drive with Alabama as he would actually score on that first drive. But after that in the third quarter, things started to get very interesting as Arkansas would put up 16 unanswered points on the Crimson Tide. But... Alabama made sure to recheck them in the fourth quarter with 21 points on on Arkansas's three in the fourth, and huge credit for Alabama. This game has got to be the transfer from Georgia Tech, Jameer Gibbs, who had a career day against Arkansas as he had 18 carries for 206 yards rushing and two touchdowns on the day. So amazing day from Jameer Gibbs. I loved him when I saw him playing at Georgia Tech, and I knew the second he transferred to Bama, he was going to be an immediate impact for that Crimson Tide offense. And then on the flip side as well for Arkansas, K.J. Jefferson definitely has had a lot of better games as he would go 13 for 24, 155 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. And um, the one bright spot really on Arkansas's offense has got to be coming from sophomore running back Raheem Sanders as he had 22 rushing attempts for 101 yards rushing and one touchdown. And that would really honestly be all the offense that arkansas would have in this game and you're looking at the score and you're probably wondering you know how was that but i mean just arkansas was really never able to get a lot going and ultimately alabama took advantage of that despite not having their heisman winning uh, quarterback Bryce young in the game as alabama would go on to blow out the arkansas razorbacks 49-26 as bama improves to 5-0 and on the season and arkansas now falls to three and two Now, anyway, guys, the next game that we're going to be talking about in this late afternoon slash early evening slate of games is going to be the 22nd-ranked Demon Deacons of Wake Forest traveling to Tallahassee, Florida to take on the 23rd-ranked Florida State Seminoles. Going into this game, I could already tell you that Wake Forest's offense, if it completely rolled, if Sam Hartman was able to get things going and clicking and just all around that whole offense of Wake Forest, they would completely run over Florida State, and that's pretty much what they did. I mean... Despite when things started to get kind of interesting in the second half, I mean just Wake Forest, if you watched the game at all, you knew they controlled pretty much from start to finish. As Sam Hartman had himself another amazing game as he went 22 for 34, 234 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions on the day. And also Jordan Travis for Florida State, their starting quarterback. He had himself a pretty good game as well. I'm not going <clears> to <throat> I'm not going to discredit him at all as he would go 23 for 35 281 yards uh, passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions on the day but the big x factor for wake forest in this game and what separated them from florida state would have to be their sophomore running back justice justice ellison as he had 18 carries on the day for 114 yards rushing and what and one touchdown as well as him obviously and sam hartman who just led this high powering wake forest offense to a win over the florida state seminoles 31-21 Thirty-one to twenty-one, as Florida State would be handed their first loss of the season, and Wake Forest would improve to four and one. So both of these teams now sit at four and one in ace and just total record. Um, you know, honestly, Florida State—they're not a bad team. This was their first real, real game. You could say LSU was, but. I, I really wouldn't say that because LSU looked so rough in that first game, and that might have just been Florida State being good, but honestly, I'm glad that Mike Norvell and the Noles are finally able to kind of get things on the right track, and hopefully as they continue to dive deep even more into ACC play throughout the season, I hope they continue to improve a lot more, again. I mean, when Florida State's doing good, college football's doing good, and I definitely look forward to seeing what the Noles are able to do, but Wake Forest did win this game, and Honestly, they deserved it a lot. Sam Hartman is playing absolutely out of his mind and definitely needs to get a lot more recognition for how well he is. But anyway, just to recap it, Wake Forest defeated Florida State 31-21 as they now improve to 4-1 on this season. And finally, the last game that I do want to talk about from the late afternoon or early evening slate of games is going to be the Northwestern Wildcats traveling to Happy Valley to take on the 11th-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions and by no means was this game a shocker at all. Uh for me personally, I was a little bit shocked at how poor Penn State's offense was. I felt like they should have been able to stack a lot more points on the board just due to the fact that Northwestern who is coming off a loss from Miami of Ohio and Southern Illinois in back-to-back weeks. You know, they should have been able to do a lot more, especially what they did against Auburn and SEC team. They should have been able to blow the water out of Northwestern, but Ultimately, Penn State would only put up 17 points on the day, which is not horrendous, but at the same time is a little bit pathetic considering the fact that Northwestern, in my opinion, is easily up there with Colorado, and Colorado State is one of the worst teams in all of college football right now, but Sean Clifford, the 17th year veteran quarterback for Penn State, he would go 10 for 20 on the day, 140 yards passing with one touchdown and then one interception. And then on the flip side for Northwestern, their starting quarterback, former South Carolina quarterback, Ryan Holinsky. Helins- Ryan he went 15 for 37, 210 yards uh, passing with one touchdown and one interception on the day. Uh, freshman phenom for Penn State, Nick Singleton. He had himself another solid game as he would have 21 carries for 87 yards rushing and one touchdown as ultimately, they as ultimately Nick Singleton would lead the Nittany, Nittany Lions to a seventeen to seven win over Northwestern. As Penn State now improves to five and zero on the season, they still remain undefeated, and Northwestern now falls to one and four with their only win being against the Nebraska Cornhuskers in Week Zero. So, yeah, very interesting times. Uh, you know, not a bad showing by any means from Penn State, but. I just felt definitely I know the weather was really cruddy but I do feel like they should have been able to put at least 2 to 3 more touchdowns on the board against a pretty weak northwestern defense. Anyway guys, let's talk about the evening slate of games and obviously the big the I guess you could say the game of the week so to speak was going to be number 10 NC State traveling to Clemson to take on the fifth-ranked Clemson Tigers and I mean, at first, the game looked like it was going to be pretty close. Going into the second quarter, it was tied 3-all. I mean, NC State was doing pretty good, controlling DJ Ugelele. But in the second half, things started to completely go Clemson's way. As DJ on the day, he would go 21 for 30, 209 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. Um, DJ also was a leading rusher for Clemson as he had 14 carries for 73 yards on the day and two TDs. And ultimately, I mean... It wasn't a bad game, definitely not ABC worthy in my opinion. I mean, I know it's a top 10 matchup, so it's going to get that recognition. But overall, I think both teams are they're solid. I wouldn't say they're great, definitely not top 10 worthy because I think once each team plays a – I mean, <clears throat> say like Clemson plays Ohio State or one of these other schools, it's not, it's not even going to be competitive. But besides that, Clemson played very solid. Their defense looked really good against – you know, an offense that was supposed to absolutely blow them out of the water in this game, and you know, a lot of people were expecting NC State to go into Clemson and upset them, which I never really understood that much because it always seems like any time a team tries to go to Clemson and upset and just never really goes well. I mean, I don't know what it is about playing in Death Valley, but just most people can't ever handle it. But anyway, Clemson would go on to beat the NC State Wolfpack 30 to 20. Is now NC State gets handed their first loss of the season, and they fall to four and one. And Clemson continues to stay unbeaten as they improve to five and zero on the season. Anyway, guys, the next game that we're going to be talking about, and probably one of the biggest shockers of the weekend, in my opinion, is going to be the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs traveling to Columbia, Missouri to take on the Missouri Tigers. Now, this game, when you look at basically just about the talent on each side of the ball, Georgia should have completely blew the water out of Missouri. It should never have been a close game or anything like that. And, you know, Missouri wanted to, Missouri, I don't know what it was, but they had that dog in them literally because at halftime, they were leading Georgia to Yes, you heard that right. Missouri was beating Georgia, who, mind you, allowed Kent State to put up 22 points on them last week. Excuse me, guys. Allowed Kent State to put up 22 points on them last week and then now proceeded to let a pretty weak offensive team in Missouri put up 16 in the first half. Now, in the second half, uh, Stetson Bennett and the Georgia offense, they finally started to get things going. Now, Stetson Bennett by by no means had a great day at all as he went 24 for 43, 312 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions, but Georgia's defense would continue to help save him, and don't get me wrong, Georgia's secondary got toasted by a couple wide receivers on Missouri, but overall, I mean, just a very rough day for the Bulldogs because not only did they kind of get ex- not exposed, but they just got kind of embarrassed in front of a team that they should have easily cleared like it should never have even been a contest but right at the end of the game georgia georgia scores the game-winning touchdown as they go on to beat the missouri tigers 26 to 22 now if i'm an ap poll voter what i would want to do probably is, is probably let bama slide up to you know number one put ohio state at number two georgia will probably end up being at three but I maybe Michigan might end up getting moved to three and then put Georgia at four I think Georgia definitely deserves to still be in the top 10 despite kind of the rough past two weeks but definitely I think there needs to be a new number one and two and I think Bama at one and Ohio State at two would be a lot better right now than having Georgia at one and Bama at two but that's just my opinion you know we all think differently and you know if y'all have actually a be, you know if y'all think y'all have a better way of doing it let me know I would absolutely love to hear it but but anyway, guys. Yup, the Georgia Bulldogs almost got upset by the unranked Missouri Tigers, as Missouri now falls to two and three on the year, zero and two in SEC play, and Georgia improves to five and zero and two and zero in SEC play. But anyway, guys, the next game I want to talk about and another stunner, and this game really was a stunner because this should—I mean—it's kind of kind of similar to uh, the Georgia game, but this is actually the outcome that you know should have never happened at all, and this is with Georgia Tech traveling to Pitt to take on the Pittsburgh Panthers, the 24th-ranked Pittsburgh Panthers, mind you. Now, Georgia Tech, this is the first game out of the Jeff Collins era. Jeff Collins, our former head coach, got fired last or earlier this week. So, a lot of drama going on in Georgia Tech. You know, nothing really was, you know, there's not really any type of expectations for this game other than the fact that Keaton Slovis and the Pitt Panthers should absolutely steamroll over Georgia Tech. And funny enough, that's not even really what happened. Now, Kea Slovis had a pretty good statistic day, as he would go 26 for 45, 305, 305 yards passing with three touchdowns and one pick. And you know, outside of that, you know, there, was, there really wasn't a lot that Pitt did amazing on offense. But for Georgia Tech, there—I mean, man—he absolutely had himself a day. Their senior running back Hassan Hall, he had a fantastic game, as he had tw- as he as he had 20 carries. For 157 yards rushing, he didn't get a touchdown, but definitely carried the load for a pretty weak Georgia Tech offense as he would actually lead them to a 26-21 win over the 24th ranked Pitt Panthers. I mean, just wow. Like, I don't think anybody saw Georgia Tech beating Pitt in this game at all. I know I personally didn't. I know pretty much any, any college football fan out there did not see this coming at all. Like I'd be lying to you if I said I was an expert at either of these teams, because absolutely I'm not. But man, the fact that Georgia Tech was able to overcome all the adversity they were facing and be able to beat a Pitt team, especially how good Pitt is on offense, it was just a huge win and morale boost for that Georgia Tech program. So Georgia Tech they get their they get their uh, second win on the season, and they improved to two and three and one and one in ACC play. And then Pitt gets handed their second loss of the season as they now fall to three and two and then 0-1 in, Pac- I almost said Pac-12, in ACC play. So definitely a huge, I mean, disappointing loss for Pitt because kind of similar to Georgia, this was a game that, you know, they should have blown out their opponent, but ultimately they would end up being upset by the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets who, you know, just had their head coach fired. Quarterback was really not, you know, he's, he's okay, but didn't really play a huge part in this game. So just. It's a huge, and I mean huge disappointing loss for the Pitt Panthers in this game as they honestly should have blew out a pretty weak Georgia Tech team. But anyway, guys, I don't want to keep rambling, so let's just travel back down south as we have the LSU Tigers taking on the Auburn Tigers. Now, both teams going into this game were unranked. Neither neither one was ranked, which is kind of funny because it always feels like at least one of them will. But in this case, they were not. I do think LSU will probably end up getting ranked after this, but... Despite the fact Auburn, they came out to a quick 17-0 lead in the first half. Robbie Ashford looked pretty solid, honestly, but things started to kind of take kind of take a turn for the worse in the second half because LSU, they finally started to get their rhythm on offense. Now for Auburn-wise, uh, you know TJ Finley, he's out with some type of shoulder injury, so they're having to uh, so they're having to have now the former Oregon quarterback Robbie Ashford. He's going to have to step up, the redshirt freshman. And you know he definitely struggled today. Or he definitely struggled on Saturday. I will not lie, as he went 19 for 38, 337 yards passing, with two touchdowns and one interception on the day. Not the worst, but definitely not his best. And another huge thing for Auburn and what probably killed him a lot on offense. They were not able to get their star running back Tank Bigsby going, as Tank only would have 12 carries for 45 yards rushing on the day, which for a guy that it definitely is a huge 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 workhorse for your offense you're definitely going to want to see a little bit more production but the whole thing at this game really is not lsu's offense because lsu's offense was in my i mean no offense they really were not that great it was the defense that absolutely showed up in this game and what allowed them to be able to win this game as they had two picks on the day and just i mean that defense started to look like the old lsu that we've gotten so adjusted to but ultimately LSU would hold off Auburn as it would go on to beat the Auburn Tigers at Jordan-Hare 21 to 17 as LSU improves to 4 and 1 on the season and 2 and 0 in SEC play and Auburn now falls to 3 and 2 on the year and 1 and 1 in uh, SEC play. And the biggest question mark for this game is will Brian Harson last, you know, another week at Auburn because, you know, right before the season started a lot of allegations were going on. Auburn pretty much was trying to find any way they could to fire him and honestly the fact that they choked a 17-0 lead as early as they did and I know you know still very early in the game only like mid-second quarter but still a game that Auburn probably should have won because of just how how small production LSU's offense was given so just a very disappointing loss and I know Auburn fans are not excited at all at the fact that they lost to an LSU team that just doesn't have an offensive identity yet so Anyway, LSU would take down the Auburn Tigers 21-17 as we might have seen Brian Harsin coach his final game at Auburn. So we'll kind of wait and see how that goes during the week. You know, we've already seen one coach, Jeff Collins, over at uh, Georgia Tech get fired. So who knows what happens. But but anyway, guys, we're going to stay in the south as we're going to go over to Austin, Texas, as we have the West Virginia Mountaineers taking on the Texas Longhorns. Now when this game first started it looked like a blowout cuz going into halftime Texas was leading West Virginia 28 to 7. Hudson Card looked phenomenal in this game as he would go 21 for 27, 303 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions, arguably his best career game so far. JT Daniels, he did okay. I mean, nothing nothing crazy. There was a few and passes but on the day, he would go 29 for 48, 253 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. Now, for Texas in their run game, Bijan Robinson, arguably the best running back in all of college football, he continued to do Bijan Robinson things as he had 21 carries for 101 yards rushing and one touchdown on the day. Xavier Worthy, Texas's number one wide receiver and one of the top wide receivers in all of college football had himself a day as well as he had seven receptions for 119 yards receiving and two touchdowns as ultimately they would lead texas to a 38 to 20 win over the west virginia mountaineers now west virginia they only put up seven points in the first half and only 13 in the second which those that 13 points would come in the form of the fourth quarter but ultimately texas finally was able to get a bounce back win that they needed after getting upset last week at texas tech so great win for UT as they now head into the Red River Red River rivalry game next week against Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl but overall great win for UT as they now have got some momentum going into next week so but um but anyway guys the next game that I do want to talk about is going to be over in LA as we had the Arizona State Sun Devils taking on the 6th ranked USC Trojans I almost said USC Sun Devils the the USC Trojans now as you can probably tell this game you know, was never really super close. Now, despite kind of the first quarter after it'd 14 7, it would be 14-7, to you know semi-close, but Caleb Williams and that offense at USC just started to take off as they would go on to absolutely destroy Arizona State. And I feel bad for Arizona State because they're kind of in the same, same boat as Georgia Tech and a lot of these other schools where they just fired their head coach. They're looking to be able to find some type of light at the end of the tunnel. And for Arizona State... You know, a lot of people kind of forget they still do have all those NTA sanctions and everything like that, allegations, lawsuits, whatever you want to call it. They're kind of in a, you know, little little situation themselves, so it's going to be interesting to see how all of that unfolds at Arizona State. But USC gets a pretty solid Pac-12 win as, you know, they've got to definitely get ready for Utah here in a few weeks, which will absolutely be probably their hardest game of the year. And there's just a few more. There's just a few more uh, games I want to talk about. We had Stanford taking on the 13th ranked Oregon Ducks. Oregon did what Oregon was going to do, as they would go on to beat Stanford. And then finally, the last game, we had Colorado taking on Arizona, and the Buffs just continue to buff everything, and they continue to just absolutely struggle as Arizona would go on to beat Colorado. But anyway guys I hope y'all absolutely did enjoy today's uh, college football week 5 recap and takeaway episode I know I enjoyed doing it I know I enjoyed looking it up and watching all the college football games that we had in this beautiful week 5 I love the fact that the theme this week was upsets because man did we have a ton of them so you know let me know what y'all's favorite upset or just game overall was I'd love to hear it and you know guys thank you again for all the support you've been showing I absolutely look forward to Talking to y'all a little bit more about some NFL football when that recap will come out on Tuesday. So, anyway, guys, I hope you have a fantastic rest of y'all's weekend. Make sure to go watch some NFL football for me. Make sure to get ready for college football week six, which just feels weird to say. Get ready for College Football Week 6 coming up here in just a short few days. So anyway, guys, make sure to go also go check out the preview for College Football Week 6, which will be coming out on uh, on Wednesday. So, But anyway, guys, I hope you have a fantastic rest of y'all's day, fantastic rest of y'all's weekend, and I will see y'all back here on Tuesday for the NFL Week 4 recap. Peace, guys, and I'll see y'all here soon.